so bad news for fans of me, which is me <laughs> and my mum. My newsable takeover lasted all of 24 hours and I've let Imo back in to take back her microphone. So yes, welcome back. Very kind of you. <laughs> How was your time off? Yeah. <laughs> it was good. It was really good. Uh, although I did break my rule of not reading the news when I'm on holiday. Oh, yeah? You know what I mean? I always try and just, you know, switch off. Well, what caught your eye then? What well, caught you back? one article. Uh, and, and you'll understand why I'll read you the headline. New McDonald's burger fans say is the best they've ever had. Only problem is, I clicked on it, I was like, great. Yeah. Uh, that burger's only an Aussie. Oh, so, it was, so far. So close, yeah. but so far. Broke the rule and then was devastated about it. It's called the McCrispy. It kind of just looks like a glorified McChicken, uh. really, but crispier. But then I kept reading the article, and then as there was, there was a suggested article, which I clicked on, because that headline read, fast food lovers are obsessed with this new McDonald's secret menu item. Oh. And basically what you do, according to this article, is order hotcakes and some nugs, and then you whack the nugs on the hotcakes, and you pour the syrup on them, which Holy. just sounds delicious. You you. That's that's essentially what chicken waffles and and pancakes. You can pay you know upwards of thirty dollars for that at a cafe. Yeah, you probably get that from Macca's for like just over ten bucks. It sounds delish. Is that okay to do on a Wednesday morning? Yeah, go on. All right. Well, let's get on with the show <laughs> first, and then I can get to my uh, extravagant breakfast from McDonald's. Gilda, this is Newsable. I'm Jess, and I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. What sort of pressure is the conflict in the Middle East and the opening of the Christchurch terror attack inquest creating for Muslims in Aotearoa? Iceland's Prime Minister has gone on strike over the country's gender pay gap. Is this virtual signalling or a game changer? We could be staring down the extinction of the world's most common banana, aka banana geddon, could be coming. And would you let your mum swipe right for you on Tinder? We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz/support. The Muslim community in New Zealand is facing a difficult time with the opening this week of the inquest into the Christchurch mosque attacks and the dire situation in the Middle East. The Human Rights Commissioner told Newsable yesterday that complaints have already been received from both the Muslim and Jewish communities. Aliyah Danzeisen is the National Coordinator of the Islamic Women's Council of New Zealand and joins us now. Kia ora. Kia ora. Jalia, is the community and especially Muslim women in New Zealand being affected by the conflict we're seeing play out in the Middle East? Yeah, we are being affected. Um, There's a lot of dialogue, obviously, in workplaces related to that, but people are going back to what were old refrains, you know, what were five years ago, um, 10 years ago, conversations are being had that, that were quite surprising again. There is some harassment as well, and there's a lot of worry amongst the community because we're so visible. Do you mind expanding on that a little bit? So there there are people that are just grabbing headlines and then putting them to, for example, Muslim women to justify what has happened in, in, in another country. We have minimal control over what happens from rulers around the world, but yet a lot of women are being asked to hold account and explain. It's really the responsibility of every individual to to stay informed 
and not expect one person in your workplace to inform you about global events. It must be such a challenging time. And then on top of that, we've got the inquest into the mosque shootings that has just opened. It must be very overwhelming. It is It is quite intense. And um, it's also really important that with an inquest that the focus be on the people who have been lost here in Aotearoa. And um, it's been five, almost five years. It's four years seven months now since the attacks and and we're just getting to the coronial inquest process of it and so people are just finding out um what happened on the day to their their family members and um it's really important that you know based on truth and information that they know what happened is there anything else that the community is hoping will come out of this inquest will it feel like the best form of closure available, the only form of closure available? Well, see, what what people need to understand why you have a coronial inquest is to understand what happened so that you can learn for the future so it doesn't happen again. The purpose of an inquest is to inform us so that we can learn so that, for example, maybe first responders can respond more effectively you know, we have a second stage. This actually, the inquest is in two stages. And the Islamic Women's Council, um, we're focusing on the radicalization of the the terrorist, in particular, what happened to him online to become more radicalized or what impact did it have? And the reason we're focusing on that is to look for interventions. So if parents can be aware to, to stand alongside their children so they don't go down that path, the families... Um, are are likely looking for a legacy of what can be improved so that what happened to these families and to our community doesn't happen again to others. And given the what's playing out in the Middle East, has anyone been in touch with you or the community about safety at this time? So the first communications that happened from the Islamic Women's Council were us relaying concerns of potential threats. Sure. It was not the police checking mm. on us and it was um, several days after that. The police have then given us an update since then, but we're not in daily daily contact. The other thing is an example related to the security and intelligence um, agencies. Likewise, we didn't hear from them until um, I actually um, had a interview where I said we hadn't heard from them because they were indicating they were they sure. were engaging. So it's a concern mm. still five years on, it seems like agencies don't understand what fully what what community engagement needs, especially in high level, intense situations. But we'll we'll keep at it, and um, hopefully they improve. Aliyah Danzizen, thank you very much for your time from the Islamic Women's Council of New Zealand. Thank you. Tinder's launching a new addition to its app that will allow you to give your family and friends permission to access your account and swipe right for you or make suggestions on who they think you should swipe right on. Would you do it? Would you let your mum swipe right? We'll have a poll on the gram. Very interested to see these results. Find us on Instagram by searching NZ. And if you have expanded thoughts on this topic, I imagine many of you will, give us an email, newsable at stuff.co.nz. Iceland's Prime Minister went on strike overnight our time over the country's gender 
pay gap, Katrin Jacobsdotter joined tens of thousands of women in Iceland in protest over the issue, and they were also encouraged to not even do any housework or unpaid work. It's a bit of an interesting one, especially given that Iceland has been ranked the best country in the world for gender equality for 14 years in a row. If they can't do it, what hope do the rest of us have? Joining us now to chat about this all is Suzanne Manning from the National Council of Women of New Zealand. Thank you so much for joining us. Kia ora, thank you for inviting me. What difference does it make to get somebody with such significance to stand up for something like this, the gender pay gap, or is it in any way virtue signalling? It is always useful when high-profile people join your campaign. It speaks volumes, people take notice. At the same time, in itself, it doesn't make a difference. It's sustained, collective, concerted effort that makes a difference. What message do you see Iceland as sending here? As Jess mentioned, they've been ranked the most gender equal country in the world for more than a decade. It shows that things aren't always what it appears on the surface. I mean, we should know that here in Aotearoa that uh, we have a clean green image and we can't drink a lot of our water. Yes, we've got the image, but what is happening underneath? For Iceland, they also have very high standards, which is wonderful, and they are repeating an action that has worked for them before because the 1975 women's strike in in Iceland was iconic. It is a big message to everybody in that country that they can't rest on their laurels and say, we've done it, because they're striking again saying, we haven't done it. Do you have any hopes that what we're seeing in Iceland would influence others and other leaders, other female leaders to take action? I don't think it's the female leaders that need to take action, it's the male leaders. So basically what we need is the men to realise there is a problem. That's what Iceland's trying to do, you know, wake up, men, remember, we haven't got there yet. We've got part of the way, let's keep going. Suzanne Manning, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Banana Geddon is up next, and you can tell Emma's had a few days off because she came up with that word all by herself. The pistons are well and truly firing on usable today. To make sure you catch whatever word she creates tomorrow, all you have to do is chuck us a follow on your favourite podcast platform, and it'll drop right into your little usable feed. Now I have to make up a word. <laughs> Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm. Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Bananas are apparently 
facing extinction. A fungus called Panama that wreaks havoc on Cavendish banana roots, that's the most common variety of banana, is gradually killing off banana farms and plants all over the world. Now this might sound very dramatic, but it is relevant to us here in New Zealand because apparently we eat the most bananas per year in the world. Didn't know that. So here to talk us through this potential banana geddon, if you will, is Jerry Prendergast, the president of United Fresh NZ. Kia ora, Jerry. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Jerry, what do we know about Panama, this disease? Because I, I, this particular one at the moment is a strain of Panama, but Panama has infected banana stocks in the past. Yeah, well, Panama disease has been around for a really long time. So it, I've been uh, working with bananas for 20 years. Um, I, prior to that, was in the produce industry. And the disease um, has been there for a very long time. What does happen from time to time, it seems like this subject gets uh, brought up it is real and it is serious. However, what you do have with uh, banana production, you've got propagation. So you're producing either newer varieties and some newer varieties, they are more resistant to those diseases. But more importantly, the propagation process means that you're able to keep ahead of the disease. So Panama disease um, has been, as I say, around a long time. In fact, there's two or three other um, diseases which are also quite challenging with bananas, all which are able to be kept at bay through propagation processes. So we're not staring down the barrel of banana getting like the overseas media are reporting, and which made me want to do this story. No, I think it's a great story because the reality is Kiwis eat a lot of bananas, and this is part of our stable diet in New Zealand. And it is a concern if we thought that we were facing a banana geddon, to, to quote you. Um, and the reality is, without bananas, they're the, they're the biggest selling fruit item in the produce department. And the reality is that every Kiwi has a banana at some point, it seems to be on their cereal or in their lunch bag or on their way to work. It is such a versatile product. Do we need to diversify the banana market? Yeah, it's an interesting point. Well, Cavendish is um, is the most common banana. So you've got Cavendish in various sizes. Cavendish is grown in different countries around the world. And Cavendish will spring even different characteristics. So a Filipino Cavendish banana tends to have a little bit more sweetness to it. A South American Cavendish banana tends to have um, a little bit more mealiness to it. And it's still good eating. So the reality is you'll get different characteristics of those Cavendish so going to different varieties, of which there are green bananas, which can be eaten dead green, which seem to be fine. And there is plantain varieties of those, which are different varieties again. But, you know, for the majority of the world of everyday eating bananas, um, they do want these yellow. They want them golden yellow and they want them to be sweet to the taste. I read that New Zealanders eat 18 kilograms worth of bananas each a year. That's 152 bananas. It's hard to believe, isn't it? So we're a big banana eater, 365 days a year. Work out your average, you're three a week because we're so prone to moving around, sports orientated, uh, lunch on the go, that type of thing. It's a perfect product for us. I suppose when you put it like that, it does. I can then see how someone could eat 18 kgs worth of banana. Uh, Jerry Prendergast, thank you so much for your time and your banana expertise. Wowee. If there are two things that mix together about as well as bananas and fungus, it's 
appearance and Tinder. And yet, that's exactly what Tinder's latest feature aims to do. This doesn't sound like chicken nuggets and pancakes, does it? This sounds weird. This sounds weird and bad. (laughs) It's a tough pitch, but I think you might actually be on board by the end of this because it's called Matchmaker and it allows users to give uh, friends and family 24 hours to scrutinise possible matches for this person. So people can view the profiles and suggest possible matches, even if you you don't have a Tinder account. And then once the 24 hours ends, the original Tinder user then gets to review the profiles that their matchmakers have kind of recommended and then make a final decision on whether to go for it or not. Sounds like Tinder is trying to cash in on something that so many of us already do, which is either steal our friends' phones and what I like to call play Tinder uh, or play Hinge. I've heard of examples where flatmates beam their phone onto the TV and swipe right as a flat altogether. Yeah, proper flat activity. Yeah, well, to be honest, Tinder's been upfront about this and said that's exactly what they are doing. They're trying to bring that into the app. (laughs) They're not trying to. We invented something. And it's actually quite good for those of us who don't always live close to all our friends, but still very, very much want to be heavily involved in their dating life and get to partake in that decision making. Just, I don't see Nikki Wells downloading the Tinder app, even if it is. Imagine if she did. Imagine if you found that on your mum's phone. Yeah. In fact, if you found this on your partner's phone, I think questions would be asked. Yeah, nah, not for me. I'd just happily steal my friend's phone and play Tinder like I I usually do. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That is Newsable for today. Anyone who wants to download uh, Tinder and let me have a play, please do drop us into the DMs (laughs) because I would be happy to match back for you. I'm Jess McCarthy. (laughs) And I'm Imogen Wells. Happy swiping. Happy swiping. Was this episode of Newsable usable? Then back NZ News by making a financial contribution at stuff.co.nz slash support. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.